Godspeed. Great to be with you. Isn't it awesome to gather together? How, how was uh, Kevin? Did he cook well? Food was awesome. Well, we have uh, a special guest tonight, and just to tee it up, from two weeks from now, so not next Saturday and Sunday, but the following one, uh, Eric Metaxas is going to be with us also, and so you want to be thinking about that and uh, getting a seat early. He's, he's a lot of fun, but we're blessed tonight to have uh, such a, a classy young guy at 25 years of age with PragerU. And he's been standing for liberty, and I've been able to get to know him through a few live streams. And the first one I did, I was able to hear his testimony, which is so great because uh, Will is a pretty young Christian. He received Christ about a year ago or so, and uh, went from extreme leftist, atheist, all the way into the love of Jesus. So that's where you're going to find him tonight. So... <clears throat> but he's here on a book tour with his book, and uh, he has a, they've sold out, isn't that awesome? They have a limited amount back there, so uh, get you a book, and I think we were supposed to have three or four hundred this weekend, and we only have 120 or so, and he'll be out there for you to be able to get a picture afterwards, buy a book, he'll sign it for you, he'll uh, go home and talk to your kids for you, no, he won't do that. <laughs> hey, will you give it up for Will Witt? Awesome, man. Thank you. What's up, everyone? I, I'm a little shell-shocked. I've been all across the country, and so I get back to California, what, two days ago, and now I'm in a place where they didn't ask me for a vaccine card before I got in here. It, there's no masks. I don't even feel like I'm in California, which is a really wonderful thing, you know? Everywhere I'm going in California, I live in Hollywood, right? So I know tyranny very well. I know exactly what it's like. And it's been, it's been truly wonderful. For the last about three and a half weeks, almost a month I was on the road, I got to see the entire country. I've been, now been to 48 out of 50 states. I've lectured in almost all of them. And it's so weird going from starting in Texas to then New York City and seeing how they're dealing with their mandates, then go to small town Mississippi and West Virginia, then to Florida, Phoenix, Utah, see how many different people there are. But what was so truly, what was just so remarkable was to see how all of the people who I got to meet, all of the amazing great people, all of the Christians and the conservative people had just the best values I've ever seen in my life. I mean, it truly, it gives me hope for America to see so many amazing people. It's easy, I think, to, to look at the news and to look at what's happening here in California and across the country and say, man, things are really getting bad, okay? Gavin Newsom just banned leaf blowers. It's getting pretty bad here, right? <laughs> but despite that, I see so much hope in so many people here that it, it truly gives me the, the fire and the passion to keep going. So uh, he mentioned my story a little bit and gave you kind of the, the brief introduction, but since I'm, some of you guys might not have heard of me before, I'll tell you a little bit about where I came from. So I'm from Colorado, and growing up my entire life, I was a liberal atheist, and I wasn't just an atheist. I was someone who would go around and tell people how much I hated God, how much I thought God sucked and religion was terrible and was ruining people's lives. That was what I did growing up, and when I was a senior in 
high school, I ended up working for this Democrat senator. I interned as an aide in the Colorado Senate, which was a lot of fun, but mostly just did it to impress this girl who I knew. Uh, it's always about a girl with many of my stories. <laughs> and, you know, I, I grew up without my, my mom or my dad in the picture. My dad was actually in prison growing up, and so I looked to my older brother to be a, a father figure for me. And he had a different dad, and his dad was, was kind of a a very far leftist person, and because he put that on my brother, it then transferred over to me, because he was my older brother. He was, like, he was like my god, right? He was like my king. Every single thing that he did, I wanted to do. Any of you guys with, with much older brothers will understand that. But I went to college, and every single thing changed. You know, most people go to college, and they, they realize that, um, that they become a leftist. Their parents raise them with conservative or Christian values, and then they go to college, and they, they shave their head off, and they become a leftist or whatever it is. I was the opposite. I went to college and became a conservative, right? It's a, it's, it's a strange thing when that happens because you realize that the values that you grew up with, I, my mom really just taught me common sense values, personal responsibility, not feeling entitled, uh, taking accountability for my own actions. Those types of things are conservative common sense values. And when I went to school, None of the other students had those same values. I went to school at CU Boulder, which is the People's Republic of Boulder. I mean, it was a, a, a horrible place to be. I mean, beautiful, beautiful. Don't get me wrong, one of the most gorgeous places in the country, but, but the, the politics there and the values there were not someplace that is conducive to, to building a good society, I can say. And so I was an English major, which was a useless major, and a, in a sociology class, which was a useless class. And we were talking about how bad capitalism was and, and, and white privilege and all these things. And I will tell you something right now, that at this point in my life when I was on the left and, and an atheist, I couldn't tell you what a Republican was, I couldn't tell you what a Democrat was or what socialism meant, but I could tell you that the police were terrible, that climate change was destroying the earth, all the polar bears were going to die. Right? The, these are the things that I could tell you. But I couldn't tell you anything about values or, about, or actual facts about history or the way the world is supposed to work. Anyway, I'm in this sociology class and there's a black girl sitting next to me. And my TA in the class, teacher's assistant, she looks at me and points at the girl next to me and says, you are oppressing that girl because of the color of your skin. And, and the girl kind of looks at me and she's like, this is really awkward. I don't know what's going on, right? <laughs> it's like I didn't feel like I was oppressing this girl and this girl didn't feel like she was being oppressed by me. But this white TA at this $50,000 a year university gets to come and tell me that I'm oppressing someone. Right? This is how you create the victim culture in America. And so after this, and also dating a girl who was a huge Hillary Clinton supporter back in 2016, you know, obviously we're happily married now, it's, it's fantastic. <laughs> but, but after that, and, and a few other things really pushing me over the edge... I started getting very involved. I found out the Republican Party in Colorado. I found out about Turning Point USA. I uh, worked with uh, Leadership Institute. And then eventually I found out about PragerU. And PragerU videos, I mean, at that point, this was five years ago. You guys know PragerU, you know the five-minute videos that we put out. At that point, they might have had 100 videos. You know, now we're closer to 10,000 videos by, by now. But essentially, I took all of those videos and I binge-watched all of them in like a week. And I found out that PragerU actually had a student program, PragerForce. And so I joined this program, made a video for them on my campus where I went and asked women what they thought about the wage gap, and of course they all thought that they weren't getting paid enough and they were so oppressed, and I taught myself how to edit videos, shoot the video, send it to PragerU, and they loved it, and they ended up offering me a job, and after two years of college back in Colorado, I dropped out of school to move to Los Angeles and, and, and do what I do now, because I knew that there was a, a greater purpose for my life, something that, that, that I had to get done. It's, it's, it's a wonderful thing when you, when you find out truth and you feel compelled to speak it. I'm sure many of you guys feel the same way. With my testimony with Jesus Christ, I, I became a, a conservative 
much before I became a Christian, right? I, 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 I figured the politics was always the more important thing. And, and, but then I realized that looking at the founding of this country, this is the first thing for me. You look at the founding of America, okay? What do we have as Americans that no other country in the world has? Inalienable rights given to you by your creator. That is a truly remarkable thing. The French Revolution was, was shortly after the American Revolution, and they had to have five constitutions and eventually got it somewhat right, okay? But none of their constitutions had God-given rights endowed on you by your creator, right? No other country in the world has a constitution like, like we do here in America, okay? A declaration of independence like we do, a founding like we do here in America. And that was something that was really remarkable to me. I was like, wow, these founding fathers, I mean, they, they gave all this because because they believe that God gave us these rights. That's a truly powerful thing. And that was my first step. The second step was about, I would say maybe a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago, oh, he told me to watch the black tape. I'm making sure, okay? I don't want to step over for the camera. But about a year and a half ago, I was like, all right, I, I, I can't keep playing around. This pandemic has gotten so bad. I have to stay home every single day. My dog is a pain in the butt. I need to, you know, I, I need to find something else to do. And so I decided to read the Bible. And so I read the four Gospels, and what I realized is that, just like I realized with at first conservative values when you have the truth, is that if what is in the Bible is true, that Jesus really died for our sins and did all of this for us, then I have no choice but to give my life for him. Right? If, thank you. Thank you. When you find out truth, you are compelled to speak it. I, I have difficulty hearing about people who know all these amazing things or have these wonderful values or, or believe in what's going on in this country is wrong and they still do nothing. It, it's very hard for me to see that because I know that there, is, there are good people out there. Again, I've met 10,000 or more people this, on my book tour and a very small fraction of those people actually go out and really speak the truth adamantly and bravely. And that's really sad to me. I think that's part of the reason why we're in the state that we're in. I think that's part of why California is in the state that it's in. Because even though we have great people with great values in this country, I mean, look, in 2020, we had 6 million people come out and vote for Donald Trump in California. That's a lot of people, right? A lot of people. And a lot of people still didn't go out and vote for, for the other side. So we have people who believe in these values in this country, but it takes more than just going into a voting booth and, and putting your candidate down on, on who you believe in. It takes actually going out and having chain reactions with people. I'll tell you one more story about, about how I became where I am today. When I was in my political science classes, when I was starting to figure out my politics on things and, uh, back, in, back at CU, there was a girl in my class and she had a Trump pin on her backpack, right? This was during 2016. And she came up to me just out of the blue. I'd never met this girl before in my life. And she came up to me and she said, hey, who are you voting for? I was like, I don't know. Why are you talking to me? Right? <laughs> and she's like, oh, I'm voting for Trump. I was like, oh, cool. Why are you doing that? And then we had this whole conversation going back and forth and talking about it. And I realized like, wow, this, that was really interesting. Maybe I'll go look some more things up. And so I went home later that night and I started looking things up about, about the world and politics. And I was like, wow, America's in a way worse spot than I ever thought it was. Things are way different than I thought they were, right? And she's the one who actually got me in touch with Turning Point USA and PragerU to start doing the things that I do, right? So this was one girl, one girl who decided in my class just to come up and have a conversation. So it's like that old saying that, that not everyone can help everyone, but everyone can help someone. You have no idea 
the impact that you can have when you go and just talk to someone or ask them a question and say, hey, here's what I think about what's going on in America with COVID or about police brutality or any of these things or, or who I'm voting for, someone who you might not have ever even met before or someone maybe who's on the other side, right? Like that person that you talk to could be the next Will Witt with worse hair, you know, <laughs> whatever it is. But truly, you have no idea the impact that you can make until you finally go and start actually talking to people and believing that you can make that impact. But if we don't go out there and actually do it, then the left is going to keep winning on every single thing in this country. And they are. Okay, Genesis 1-1, God created the heavens and the earth. This is incredibly important. Because what did God do in this moment? God, where there was nothingness, where there was chaos, God created order. God created order in the universe. Right? This is why the left hates God, why they want to get rid of God in the universities and the rest of the West, because God is order, and everything that the left preaches is chaos. The left destroys every single thing that it touches, okay? This socialism and communism that we're seeing all over this country, that is chaos. Excuse me, these Black Lives Matter protesters coming down to downtown LA, throwing bricks through windows and destroying their own communities, that is chaos, okay? Saying that men can have periods, that is chaos, now, I just saw today, which was even worse. You guys have heard of birthing person. That's how they're referring to women nowadays, birthing people. Now they're saying uh, people with prostates, referring to men. The world is getting really insane, okay? It's getting very bad. And it's fun to laugh about it, but really, the fact that we have gotten to this point is quite terrifying. Truly horrific that we are here. The left will say that America is a racist country. That is chaos. Why do millions of black immigrants from Africa come to America? Why do they come here? Because they know that it is a land of opportunity where they have a better chance of becoming a great and passionate articulate person than anywhere else in the world and making it, right? Because it is America. In the 1930s and in Nazi Germany, did you see Jews from Poland moving to, to Germany? Of course not, because that was a really racially intolerant place. But in America, they know that's not the case. That's why they are moving here by the hundreds of thousands. Because it is the greatest place in the world to be, no matter what color you are, or what your gender is, or sexuality, America is the best place for that. It is not an a, a inherently racist country. You can even go back all the way to the founding. right? Benjamin Franklin started one of the first anti-slavery societies in America. George Washington was against slavery. John Adams was against slavery. In the original Declaration of Independence, where it says, life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness... It originally said life, liberty, and property, but they changed it to pursuit of happiness because at that time, slaves were property, and they didn't want slaves to be considered an inalienable right given to you by God. This is how smart these guys were, and they changed it at the last minute to make sure that they would be able to get rid of slavery very soon, even if they couldn't then because the southern states have a, had, a, had a gripe with them. They eventually got it done. This is what they wanted to do off of the offset, right? These were, these were incredibly smart men who did not have these, these racial biases that the, the left will tell you. But the left wants to rewrite history. If you guys have read 1984, what do they do in 1984? They rewrite history. They destroy all the history books. The point of that, of why they did that, is not just to, to make it so people don't know, but it's to make it so that people no longer have a reference point, Okay, If young people in America are going through high school and they're going to college and they are realizing that America is this racist country, that we are founded by white supremacists, that we live in a, a terrorist colonizing place, 
then they are not going to look back to a different time and say, wow, things used to be better back then. That's what happened in 1984. In 1984, Winston and the others couldn't look back in history and say, wow, the world used to be a better place because there was no history to look back to. They thought that the world they lived in was all there ever was. And that's what people think about right now in America. They feel like this America that they live in right now is the only America there ever is and that all before was just racism and slavery and disgusting, depraved acts. It couldn't be farther from the truth. It couldn't be farther from the truth. We have strayed away from the good values and moral compass that we once had as a country for degeneracy and decadence. Thank you. <laughs> I, I'm a big fan of Roman history. I, I love the Romans. I, I find a, a lot of joy in researching things about ancient Rome and, and how they had their society. I think that behind America, they're the second greatest empire to ever exist. And because of that, there are many similarities between ancient Rome and what we have today. And I would just like to list a few I think you will find interesting. The first one is inflation, where ancient Rome experienced mass inflation because they created far too many coins and they basically made their money valueless and had massive economic problems by the end of the empire. They also lived in a degenerate and decadent society where they put aside what it meant to be a Roman and went away from that and said, we want to live a new moral way, right? Or an immoral way, we should more say. What are we seeing in America today? It's quite similar. Same with inflation. What they also did is let in hundreds of thousands of Germanic tribes people and the Goths from the north and tried to make them assimilate, but they did not assimilate. And they ended up taking over Rome. What are we seeing in America? with millions of people coming across the southern border, not assimilating to this country, and hating everything this country stands on, and they're coming illegally. There are many similarities, and I see that unless we make a stark turn in America right now with people standing up, we will have the same fate as ancient Rome, as many of these other great empires have had throughout the centuries. And that is because the left destroys every single thing that it touches. Okay? Let's look at sports in this country. Sports in this country, they have destroyed sports. We're Chargers fans now, right? Is that, no? Okay, I know. No one, I was expecting like clapping or something, but no one, no one let's say Dodgers, okay? Let's, we'll, we'll be Dodgers fans, right? Okay, we're Dodgers fans. Back in the day, maybe 10 years ago, you would go to a Dodgers game, and you have a Dodgers jersey on, and you go there, and there's a guy next to you, and maybe he's black, maybe he's gay, maybe he's, he's pansexual, I don't know. Maybe he is a Democrat. It doesn't matter what this guy is, okay? You guys are both cheering for the Dodgers, and so for those three hours of that game, you two are best friends, all right? You're sharing hot dogs. You're spilling your beers all over each other. You guys are having a great time at this baseball game, but not now. What happens now if that person who is a Democrat finds out that you're a conservative or that you voted for Trump? They hate you. They immediately hate you. There used to be a time in America where we we used to have shared values in this country, where you could say, this person's a Democrat, I'm a Republican, we go and talk, and at the end of the day, maybe we disagree, but we both realize that America is a great place, the founding of this country was fantastic, and that there's nowhere else in the world that I'd rather be, right? We used to have those shared values in America, but there is no more shared values, because the left has destroyed those values. They've destroyed all of those values in this country for their own leftist religion, what did the NFL come out and say? So they want to give $250 million to combat racism. What does that even mean? 
They said that at the last Super Bowl. That means going on to the end zones and painting BLM and thinking that they've solved racism. Good job, NFL. Really helping out. And it's really great that you're keeping people who have crimes, I mean, beating women, rape allegations, these type of people. But someone in their emails who, had, uh, who said, called someone gay 10 years ago, apparently this guy needs to be completely fired from the NFL. That makes a lot of sense, NFL. Good job. You see where these people's priorities are. You can do anything. You can do anything, any crime. It doesn't matter as long as you agree with the left. That is where we are in America. And did the left create any sort of alternative to these sports that they have destroyed? No. There is no alternative. All they have done is destroy those sports. Or think about late night TV. I mean, late night TV used to be a great thing. You get done with a, a long day of work, or you're with your kids, or politics, or whatever. And you go and you watch late night TV, and it's funny because he makes fun of Republicans, he makes fun of Democrats, he makes fun of you, he makes fun of everyone, right? And he's just having a good time, and it's lighthearted, and it's something that every American can get behind and enjoy. That's what late night TV used to be. And now, what is late night TV now? Did you guys see that new video that just came out, I think like two weeks ago? It was Stephen Colbert on his show, and he's dancing around with vaccines. Oh my goodness. Black Mirror doesn't make episodes that scary. I mean, we are really living in a scary place right now. And again, have they created any sort of alternative to these late night TV shows that they have, that they have destroyed? No. They've made no alternative. All they know how to do is destroy. All of the great things that make America, America, our founding, our values, Christian heritage, all of this, they want to destroy it. And I think that they do it in a way that is very somewhat coy, in a sense. You know, I think that people have this understanding that they think that totalitarianism is going to come down with the, the brute force of, of government control, like someone's going to come to your house and, and, and make sure that you're wearing a mask and it's going to be all totalitarian like that. I don't think that it is that way. I don't think it's been that way. I think that it's much more akin to a Brave New World dynamic, if you guys have read that book, where people are much more accustomed to safety, and risk aversion than they are to any sort of totalitarian force, right? B.F. Skinner, a famous psychologist in the 1960s, he did experiments on rats with negative reinforcement and found that when he negatively reinforced these rats, that they would actually, for a little bit, do the behavior that he wanted, but then after a while, they would go back to the behavior they were doing before. But when he used positive reinforcement on these rats, he would find that forever they would do exactly what he wanted them to do. And this is exactly what we have in America today. Not necessarily rats, but I mean, it seems sometimes like that. But what we have in America is people who have this positive feedback loop of, of immoral things, of things that make them feel incredibly good, but don't actually provide any substance, and it gives them the, the righteousness, okay? It makes them feel good about themselves. Being safe at your home, having to, to, you can order your food at home, you can watch porn all day, you don't have to actually go out and meet anyone, you can work from home. All of these things that are very risk averse and very safe and you never have to deal with uncomfortability, you can just agree with the herd of people. This is the way that we are because these types of behaviors have been, have been put into our nature now by living in America. We feel like being safe is way more important than being free. People would ru much rather be safe and have someone else take care of them than have to live a, a brave or risky life. And America has never been like that before. America is the land of the go-getters, 
of the people who picked themselves up by their bootstraps, the people who came to this country with nothing and said, I'm going to create something incredible. That is what America is. I mean, when we talk about the American dream, what is more the American dream than doing something brave against when other people say that you can't do it? There's nothing more than the American dream than that. The American dream is, is, is dwindling away because people want to take the chance for you to have that American dream away from you so that they can sit at home and be safe and be comfortable. They want to take all, away all of the things that you love, the things that you hold dear, so that they don't have to deal with any sort of uncomfortability. That's a scary world to live in. It's a very scary world to live in. All of this, it, it really connects with cancel culture. I'm sure many of you guys are familiar with cancel culture. You understand. Many of you, maybe you're at your work, at your job, uh, at your university, maybe even in your own family, have been canceled at some point. It's a terrible fate. What is cancel culture? I, I will give you what I think cancel culture is. It's a little harsh, but I'll tell you what I think. Cancel culture is mediocre people who have never had a new or novel idea in their entire life coming and trying to cancel or destroy someone for having a difference of opinion because they are jealous that they didn't think of anything new themselves. Okay? Why else would they do it? Why else would they do it? If my idea, if I come on Twitter and I say I am unapologetically pro-life, which I do, and I get a ton of people coming and canceling me. If my idea is so bad, so immoral, and so wrong, don't you think that my idea would die out on its own if it was so terrible? Or don't you think that I would go up against someone who has a sense of that they want to come and talk to me and, and have a debate with me or anything like that? Like, like isn't that what America's about, having uncomfortable debates with people? Not anymore. Now it is people who feel safer in the herd. I'm a big fan of uh, Friedrich Nietzsche, the, the German philosopher from the 1800s, and he talks a lot about the herd morality. The herd morality, which essentially is people coming together as a group and feeling envious of people who would step outside that group because the people stepping outside that group are incredibly brave for doing so. All right? It's like that, that old thing, uh, uh, that old saying that your mom and dad told you about. If, if you're jumping, what do you say? If your mom tells you, if all these people tell you to jump off a cliff, are you going to do it? You know, that's what it feels like. You know, thanks, mom. I appreciate it. But that is what cancel culture is. It is people who feel so bad about themselves coming and attacking someone with a difference of opinion because, again, they would rather feel safe in their herd of people than they would actually being a brave person with a new idea. They're scared to think for themselves. It's much easier to just be a part of a herd and say, I'm going to parrot whatever someone has told me to say. That is an incredibly easy thing to do, right? And the left will tell you that you are brave for this. That's how they get you. That is the great lie. The left will tell you that you are brave because you're this progressive person who's standing against the institutions in this country, being this, this brave, groundbreaking, breaking-the-glass-ceiling type of person, right? That's what they'll tell you. They'll tell you that you are an individual because of this. The left hates individuals. The left does not want you to be an individual. The left wants you to be a part of the collective. Even when they tell you you're an individual, they are lying to you. They talk about CRT. They say CRT is teaching us that, that we are individuals and that you know, black people are oppressed by white people and white people suck and, and it's all the, the capitalism's fault. That's what they're telling you and it makes you an individual. 
Yeah, you might be black, which might be somewhat unique in a sense of America. Yeah, you might be gay, which is a smaller minority. But they forget that, that your name is Tom and you, you play piano and you love theology and you, you, you paint on the weekends and, and all these other things that make you you. And that another guy, Jeff, who looks just like you and is also gay and black and trans, whatever, has all these different interests and thoughts way different than you. They forget to tell you that, right? But this is how they control you. They tell you if you are part of this intersectional group that you have to think a certain way. Why do you think they said Larry Elder is the, white, or the black face of white supremacy? Because he went outside their collective group. If Larry Elder was a Democrat and he came out and said all these great things, they would, they would praise him as a, a black icon from, from South Central who made it. But because he's a conservative and went against what their collective mindset is, wants them to say, he is a pariah. He is now a white person, according to them. Absolutely disgusting. They want to put you into a group. You know, I, I really don't care if you are a Republican or a Democrat or anything like that. None of that really matters to me, especially if we are brothers in, in Christ. I, I, I really care that, that you love good things. You know, that, that really means the world to me, that you love good things and that you want to be an individual. Okay, I consider myself... In, in the broadest sense in my political ideology, someone who believes in the power of the individual. Because I think that we have gone way too, too far away from what that really means in America. And that people will tell you that we have to do things for the greater good or the good of society. There's been more damage done in the name of the greater good than any other ideology in history. Okay? Any, all, the, all the communists in the 20th century said they were doing it for the greater good. Lenin and the Bolsheviks, Mao in China, in Cambodia, in Turkey, all of these people said they were doing it for the greater good. And look how well that turned out. 100 million people dead. 100 million people dead in, this, in, in all those countries because of the greater good. What is a society? A society is just a bunch of individuals coming together to make a group of people. That is what a society is, right? So if we have individuals with good values and good morals, and, and good dreams, and things that they want to do, then you will have a good society. But when people come to you, when the left and the government and the big corporations come to you and say, well, you know, you need to be triple vaxxed and masked, you know, even by yourself in the car for the greater good of society, don't listen to any of them. My, my Twitter name right now is, my first name's Will, so it worked out really well. It's will not comply wit. That's my Twitter name. Thank you. And I can't stress the importance of this. Not my name, but I, yeah, I can't stress the importance of that either. I thank my mom a lot for my name. It, I'm very grateful. To have two W's and both one syllable, is, it's a very good name. Okay? Will wit. It goes off the tongue. Anyway, I can't stress the importance of standing up to these people. Look at what is happening with Southwest Airlines right now. What a brave thing to happen, right? And I get it that it's like, uh, I think the saddest part is that people, when they're worried about standing up, they're worried about what the left is going to think about them. I see Republicans in Congress right now who are basically just leftists, who are incredibly weak, who do nothing who say that they're, they love the First Amendment, they say they're fighting for my free speech, and then they take money from Google. PragerU is suing Google.
for restricting our videos and you losers are taking money from the enemy. Good job, Republicans. It's like they're more worried about what the left is going to think about them, what the New York Times is going to write about them, than actually the state of this country, right? If you're worried about what the left is going to do to you now, you should be far more worried about what's going to happen in the future if you do nothing now. Thank you. Because things continually get worse. Things are continually getting worse. And I know that it's scary. You think you don't know what's going to happen to your job or your work or your family or your friends. But I like to think about the guy with Goya beans. You guys know the Goya beans guy, right? And see, I think if I asked this two years ago, if I was at a speech and I said, you guys know about Goya beans? Like 99% of people would say, I don't know. It sounds like a bean company, right? But now, the guy with Goya beans, he went to the White House and he spoke about Trump and he said, I love Trump, man. Trump's the best, right? And of course, the first day, an hour after that happens, the left is just attacking this guy. The new face of Mexican white supremacy. <laughs> you know, that's, that's what's happening, right? <laughs> it's, it's so laughable, it's crazy. That's what they're saying. But then a couple days go by and what happens? Conservatives, Christians, people who love freedom, are coming out in droves and supporting Goya Bean Man. Now, I have a can of Goya beans on the backdrop of my show. Because this guy came out, right? Like, people are so scared of what the left is going to do to them. But you will find that when you are brave and you are a leader, that people are, are uh, attracted to that, incredibly attracted to that. It is, it is truly a, a blessing for, for me to be in a position where I get to talk to so many people and inspire so many people because I, I feel like I can be a leader for so many and hopefully inspire other people to do the same thing and, and go out and talk to people because it is so scary of what the left and your friends or family are going to say or maybe you'll lose your job or maybe you're a, you know, I talk to people, they're a, they're a single mother and, and they're a nurse and they're forced to get the jab and they don't know what to do and they're, they're so scared. It's like I get all that. Okay, I get all that. I understand that I am in a, a position of privilege to be a, a political commentator and cultural guy and, and not have to necessarily deal with all that stigma of, of getting canceled. I mean, the left hates me and they send me death threats every day, but that's different than, you know, than some of the things you guys would deal with. But here's what I'll say. Here's, here's what I will tell you guys. That every time that you are asked to do something that you don't agree with and you do it, you are sacrificing a part of yourself, okay? So I understand why everyone does everything they do. I understand why someone would, would get the vaccine when they don't want to. I understand why a student at a university would write a paper in a way to get them a good grade. I understand why around your friends you'll lie about who you voted for. I get why, you, why people do all of this, okay? I truly do, I really do, because I was in those positions too. But every single time that you sacrifice a part of yourself, you will no longer be the person that you thought you were. How much of yourself are you willing to sacrifice until you are no longer someone who pursues truth? I know for a fact that I am not going to sacrifice myself at all. I'm going to give 100% truth as much as I can all the time because I, 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 I want other people to, to do the same. I want other people to, to understand that actually telling the truth is is the greatest pursuit in life. Telling the truth is truly the greatest pursuit of our lives. You know, I, I think of the, the ninth commandment, bear no false witness. I think I got that right, right? Yeah. 
<laughs> bear no false witness, which essentially means telling the truth, right? It means going out and telling the truth. We are called to tell the truth. You cannot sacrifice. You cannot sacrifice all of the time. You have to tell the truth. I think about in Nazi Germany with many of the Nazis who were, who were part of the Third Reich, and you know, I, I figured that in many of their home lives and, and in their communities, many of them were probably good people. They probably had a good wife and some children and maybe went to church and did community service. They volunteered. They gave to charity. I'm sure there were many Nazis who were like that. But they committed evil acts. And they believed that the evil things that they were doing were actually good. And that's a scary thing because that is very similar to what we have in America today where people commit evil acts believing that they are good. So it's up to us. It's up to us to change those people's minds. You know, and some people, I did a speech the other day at University of Maryland. Oh my goodness. (laughs) I had about 50 protesters come out to Maryland. I hate D.C. I I think it's one of the worst places in the country. I think D.C. is worse than Los Angeles. Really. I mean... I already say that D.C. is just L.A. for ugly people. So, I mean, I, I do not like D.C. whatsoever. It's where the swamp is, right? It's where the swamp is, and I do not like it. Anyway, I had about 50 protesters come out to my event. And I go up to these protesters, and I even tell the security. I say, you guys stay back. I don't want to intimidate these people. Let me just go up there and talk to them. Excuse me. And I go up, and I say, hey, I'm sure that conservatives have said some lies about you guys, and I'm sure the left has said some lies about me, right? One of these people had a sign that said, Will Witt is a racist and a liar. It was on notebook paper. You couldn't even get a real poster board to do your your signs. (laughs) But I go up and I say that, and what do you think these people did? They screamed at me. They yelled vulgar things at me. They screamed obscenities at me. They were horrible to me. I reserved them a spot. In the event, I reserved them an entire row because we sold out the seats. I said, an entire row is set for you guys. You can come in, listen to my event, and you can, at the end, you can come and ask me questions. Tell me why I am this racist and a liar. Not one of them showed up. Not one of them showed up. This is the nature of the left. But I understand why they feel this way. I understand why they would come and protest my events and think that I am evil and think that Trump is Hitler and all of these things because they have been lied to. And because they believe that the evil things that they are doing are actually good. And that's really scary to see. It's incredibly scary to see. Because I want to live in a country where good values are heralded, not evil deeds. I think about an exodus with with the, the, the female Israelites who are hanging around the Nile. And the the Egyptians come up to them and they say, Hey, if there are any males born among you, Throw them into the Nile. Throw them into the river. And what do they say? They say, we fear God. That's a truly liberating thing. When you understand that you fear God much more than you fear what other people think about you, what other people are potentially going to do to you, you can change your entire life. And by using that same logic, you can probably change other people's lives too. Thank you so much, everyone. I really appreciate it. Thank you, man. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you.
That is really heartwarming to see. Really. I've been around a lot of people who hate me recently. <laughs> so, for you guys to stand. Unless you guys are just standing to leave. You're like, I'm done with it. <laughs> I understand. But no, that's good. Thank you. <laughs> hey, we're going to switch things on the stage a little bit. And you see this number right here. You can text questions. And so do that now, and so that we have those in the queue. And we're going to, whatever you would want to ask, Will, from uh, your perspective, or maybe you have a college student, you're wondering what's a good question to enter into dialogue because we send our kids away. Just, Just raise your hand if you had this experience where you raised your kids in a Christian conservative atmosphere, and they came back as, uh, you know, Nancy Pelosi. Anybody? Okay, few. That's very old. Your kids would have to come back very old. <laughs> so, uh, or just interacting, because just briefly, as some people are texting, briefly give uh, everyone the premise for your book, and um, tell them a little bit about it. Yeah. See, you guys can tell I'm not just in this for the money. I didn't even tell you guys about my book this whole time in my speech. Okay? My book is called How to Win Friends and Influence Enemies, and... It's kind of a play off the old Dale Carnegie novel of a similar title. And I wrote this book because I feel like there's a lot of conservative or political books out there that kind of just come out and say, hey, the left sucks, Democrats suck, and here's what's wrong with America. My book does say the left sucks. but, (laughs) But what is important about my book, I think, is that I give people the actual tools that they get to use to change people's minds. If you guys have seen any of my videos on PragerU or anything that I do, I've gone and talked to, thank you, I've gone and talked to thousands of people, changed thousands of minds, and those strategies that I've used, tried and true, are, are within the book that you guys are then able to use. That you guys can take the questions, persuasion tactics, and facts. Because it's, it's not necessarily you going up to someone and talking to them and, and, and going to radically change that person's mind. It's them changing their own mind because they can't answer the question that you gave them. Right? And that's a, a, a pretty humble way to go about asking questions and changing people's minds. And so with this book, I give everyone the tools that you are able to do that. Because I want everyone to be able to do that. I don't want to be the only person and some of the others going out and doing that. I, I think that uh, in groups of people, leftists are very hard to change their minds, as, as with those students at University of Maryland I just discussed. But when you can get people on an individual level and talk to them and, and be kind and, and compassionate and have good conversations... You can change all these people's minds. I mean, Amla, who's sitting here in the front row, she, she works with PragerU as well. And, you know, she used to work for an organization called Organized Florida, which was like a huge leftist organization. She has a, a Black Lives Matter tattoo on her arm. If you guys meet her afterwards, you can see it's, in, it's incredible. And, you know, nowadays, like with Amla, she's now working for PragerU. I have to tell her sometimes, like, hey, calm down, that's too conservative, right? <laughs> so, you know... Anyone can be changed just as long as we're able to have those conversations. So that is what my book is all about, How to Win Friends and Influence Enemies. With logic and humor. With logic and humor, yes, yes. (laughs) Let's have a seat, Will. Cool. Hey, those who have watched Will, uh, this is his co-host, Amala. Stand up and just wait, Amala. (laughs) It's real. Now, every time I go to an event, I make Amala put on one of those fake tattoos so I can use it for my speech. <laughs> it works very well. It's very good. Got to have props. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right. First question, Will. Uh, and this one right out of the box. Do you think you would ever consider a congressional run? 
Oh, wow. I, I get this question a lot. You're 25 now. It works. Yeah, I could be governor of California if I wanted to. Oh, wow. Yeah. Here, here's my thing, okay? I, I feel right now in America that if I were to run for Congress or any sort of political seat, it would be for my own vanity, okay? I, I feel like the amount of good that I would be able to do in a political office in this country would not justify me running for office and getting all of that money to, to do so. I feel like right now with the position that I have, I am influencing lots of people, making a lot of good changes, and I'm very happy about it. And I think that our political system in America right now is somewhat broken. I think that, that part of the reason we are in the mess we are in is because our political system is broken. I mean, let's, let's look at something. I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about this. I, I, I'm going to say it Go anyway. Go for it. I'm going to say it anyway. Okay. Yeah. If you get a vaccine, let's say it's a rabies vaccine or anything else, and you take the vaccine and you have adverse effects from it, who is responsible for paying for, that, for, that, for those damages? You, taxpayer. It is on you. Did you know that the vaccine companies are not liable for any sort of damages that are caused by them? It is for the taxpayer to now pay. That is evil. Why is that allowed to happen? Because Republicans and Democrats in Congress basically just said, Big Pharma is going to give us a nice check of $100,000 or more or less each, for our next campaigns, and we are going to sell out this country. And so politics nowadays has become so corporatized and so bureaucratic and so controlled by special interests in so many ways that even the best people are, are easily corrupted. And that's a sad fact. And so my biggest gripe with it is that to get elected, I don't want to have to raise $100 million and kiss someone's butt and then give them favors when I get into office. That is not what I want to do. I want to be a free man where I can talk about the things that I want to talk about and continue to speak truth and be beholden to no one. So, thank you. But if there was, if there was a world emperor position, I would consider it. <laughs> but not yet. <laughs> w.W. W. the first. All right. Is going off to college a good idea in these days? If so, what colleges? Whew. You know, I, I think that a liberal arts education is a very good thing. I learned a lot uh, in all the classes that I failed in college. <laughs> but despite failing all my classes, I was an English major, like I said, and I really loved all my writing classes and literature classes where I got to read great works. It really introduced me to a lot of, you know, amazing authors and, and thoughts and ideas and philosophy, things like that. So I am a big fan of a, of a traditional liberal education, you know, without the, like a liberal arts education, without all the bias and everything like that. So finding a place that can, that can administer that, I think is, of course, a wonderful thing. I, having having the, the universities in this country be destroyed is one of the, the greatest tragedies. Because learning is truly, like I said, pursuing truth is the most important thing we can do in our lives. And the fact that the left has, has taken that away, taken away learning and turned it into indoctrination, is truly evil. <sighs> Excuse me. And so I think that if you can find a, a more conservative or Christian university, then I think that you should send your students there. I think kids should go to these kinds of places. Of course, you can go to trade school and not go to college. I didn't go to college. I've dropped out twice from, from college, so I, I know better than most, 
But I, I think that those types of educations are actually incredibly valuable if you go to a place that isn't going to squander and destroy all of the things that you value. Any tips for current college students to effectively fight back on their campus without being completely canceled? What did Jesus say? Jesus said we will have trials and tribulations within our life. It's like that one saying, uh, I think it's Bruce Lee, where he said, don't ask for an easy life, ask for the strength to, to get through a hard one. People think that, that you can be a conservative or be a Christian and, and that people are just supposed to accept you, right? The left is just supposed to accept you. You understand that these people are evil and want to destroy this country, right? Why would they want to accept you for what you are? You have to understand that if you stand for truth in these values, you will be canceled. I can't give you some solution that says, hey, you're not going to get canceled if you say it this way or if you take this pill, it's going to, you know, you'll be totally fine. Like, that's, that's not how this works. You will find that you will be canceled and people will despise you and hate you if you stand up for truth. That is what happens. All right, there is no other way around it. So you can do it the best way possible. I think that with, with my videos and the way that I talk to people is a, a far better way than many people who just try to make kind of red meat content for only people that agree with them. I try and make content that is for everyone, that is going to change minds of everyone, not just people who will already agree with me. I think there are better ways to do it. But in, in essence, you stand up for truth. That is what you are asking for. That's why most people don't. That's why most people don't stand up for truth. That's why most people, when asked about their, their Christian faith, they don't talk about it. Or when asked about who they voted for, or their politics, they'll just say, oh, it's not that big of a deal. It is a big deal. All of these things are a big deal. It makes you who you are. And when you stand up for it, people are going to hate you. There's no other way around it. You will be, quote-unquote, canceled. Especially as a Christian, as Jesus said, they hated me first. He was the embodiment of truth. Everywhere he went, he just told it like it was. Uh, and people hated him for it and ultimately crucified him for it. So he was preparing his disciples, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. Right. And so even, it's good to be winsome, and like you said, to ask questions and be more, um, more of a dialogue than a diatribe mm -hmm. type of thing exactly. with people. Let me say, can I say one more thing? Yes. Sorry. Just, I know that a lot of people will think that because the left is in the majority in so many ways, especially when you're talking about college, like everyone's on the left in college or maybe at your work, whatever, and, and even like Dr. Fauci and these medical experts, they're the majority of medical experts. I would like to remind everyone that in the 1930s in Nazi Germany, almost every single medical institution and every single major doctor in Nazi Germany went and sided with the Third Reich. What does that tell you? That tells you that just because experts are in the majority of people does not mean that they are right. So all of these people on the left coming and telling you that you need to think a certain way because everyone else is doing it does not mean that you do it. Or because they say you, they will cancel you because of it, because you're not thinking like everyone else, does not mean that you do it. You stand up for truth and you continue to do so. You mentioned hyperinflation when you mentioned Rome. How do you feel about Bitcoin and the rise of cryptocurrency? 
I am a big fan of cryptocurrency. I think that it really could be the future. But I see that there are a lot of problems with our federal government right now where they are going to try and restrict it. I mean, with how they are trying to tax Bitcoin and all these other cryptocurrencies. They essentially want to make it meaningless. Uh, they want to get so heavy-handed within cryptocurrency that I don't know if it's necessarily going to last. I think that if they can get it like truly blockchain functional, I, I think that cryptocurrency will, will have a lot more a lot more stay in America, but what it seems like to me is that the government, uh, along with, again, Republicans and Democrats who don't care about the future of this country, just care about getting a paycheck, are going to sell out these cryptocurrencies and make sure that the government has total dominion over them. So I'd like to say that I have faith in them. Um, I do have faith in, in, in blockchain and those types of things. I think a social media that's entirely on the blockchain and decentralized from what we have now would be fantastic and good for people's mental health and, and the bureaucracy. But uh, I, I don't necessarily see it going in a good way right now. So, You have uh, produced a short film <laughs> recently. Have you considered doing other projects, film projects, TV shows, anything like that? And, and what would you focus on right now? What kind of creative projects would you like to do now, Will? That's, no one's asked me that at any of my events. That's very cool. I think I would do Survivor, conservatives versus leftists. <laughs> and <laughs> I think that would be quite interesting to watch. No, I, I'm actually working on right now, uh, the book took up so much of my time, so I was really heavily focused on that. I am actually about to hopefully start a second book already, which I haven't even finished the book tour on this one, but already working towards a second book, which I didn't even really get a touch on the things that I am putting in that next book really in my speech, but essentially it's a, an elites versus us, how the elite and the oligarchy in this country ha have turned America into a, a nation of serfs. That's, that's essentially what I want to write the next book about. Anyway, but in terms of more media-driven creative products, uh, I'm working on a new documentary right now that is hopefully about the rise of, of communism in America, of how the, it started organically. Not just, you know, not America becoming communist, but how the ideas actually got to America and how it's influenced thought, how postmodernism has influenced thought and the universities throughout this country. I, I think that that will be incredibly interesting to see how these people have weaseled their, their way into all the institutions of America and, and how they've changed it. And then as well as a documentary on masculinity and how masculinity has failed this country. You know, I talked a little bit before about how the left destroys everything. Uh, I was a Boy Scout, and I'm an Eagle Scout, actually. It was one of my greatest achievements in my life. And well, thank you. You guys will clap for anything. I mean, I, <laughs> yeah, th thank you. But, you know, I, I, like I said, I grew up without my father in the picture. And so Boy Scouts for me was huge. It taught me how to be a man. It taught me masculinity. It taught me leadership. There's no way I'd be up on this stage talking to everyone if, I wasn't, if it wasn't for the Boy Scouts, right? But what is the Boy Scouts now? They, they have a, a BLM merit badge, basically. They've let girls into the Scouts. It's no longer the Boy Scouts. And so masculinity has died in this country. True masculine values have died in this country. And so I want to make a, a documentary really exploring that and explaining the, the adverse effects of, of a lack of manliness going on right now. So, thank you. It, when asked this question, how do you respond in light of uh, postmodernist uh, decolonialization and everything? 
um, did the white Americans or the white man steal the land from the American Indians and the native Hawaiians? Happy Columbus Day, everyone. Yeah. Here, here's what I'll say. I have, I have uh, one question that I like to ask people when it comes to this. Again, I do everything in questions because I think that it's more effective for changing minds than just going and telling them, well, you know, well, these tribes were already fighting each other and killing each other. I get that, okay? I, I understand that, that they were slaughtering each other before and the Aztecs committed disgusting acts where they, they sacrificed children and tore their eyeballs out. I mean, these were, these were in many ways demonic people. But what is the most important thing to ask is that even if Christopher Columbus and some of the, the people from Spain and Portugal and the French and the British and they came over here and we killed many Native Americans, there's one question to ask people. And that is, was America worth it? Is America worth it despite these things that happened? Even though slavery happened and it's a stain on our past, with all of this, is America worth it? I think it was. Even despite having horrible things in our past and things that have gone on in this country that we are no longer proud of, that we would look back and abhor, we can still say America is the greatest country in the history of the world and say that we have the medical innovation, we have been, uh, we've brought democracy to the rest of the world, we have been peacekeepers in, this, in, in the world, we have done so much good for culture and society and politics. I mean, it, truly, America is a blessing. And so when you ask someone that question, if they say, yes, America was worth it, then you can delve deeper and go into more about this. But if someone says, no, America was not worth it, well, I think you already know where this person probably stands, and you really have to decide whether or not you're going to have a conducive conversation with this person. So yes, I, I don't think that, that the white man took it from all these people, and even if he did, I think that America was worth it regardless. And I'll just uh, PS to that. I'm having young Christian kids ask me the same question about America. And I just share with them, okay, so Christopher Columbus sailed the ocean blue, 1492. In the last 500 years, let's look at every country in the world, Let's look at the brutality of every country in the world. There's 192 countries now. There wasn't. Obviously, back then, it's morphed the borders and different things. And let's just compare all of the histories and see if there's any skeletons in the closet. Why is it only America that is the most brutal nation in the world with, through expansion, exploration, all these things? And um, it's a, they just isolate it and cherry-pick this thing. It's, if you look at the rest of world history... It's brutal. The last 500 years of just brutality, right. no matter where you look. Is slavery still in the Middle East today? I mean, there's still 40 million slaves across the world right now, right? A, a terrible thing. But it, the, left, the left hates excellence, okay? Excellent people are hated by the left. The left loves mediocrity. That is the standard of the left. So when Christopher Columbus comes, and he's a brave sailor, and comes and does something that is extraordinary that no one's ever done before, the left hates him because he did something that they would never do, because they are way too scared to ever do anything brave or heroic. Yeah, and shortly, I mean, I read a new biography of Christopher Columbus before all of this stuff broke out, and it was really a well-researched biography. And he sincerely believed, as a faithful Catholic, he believed the Holy Spirit had anointed him to go find the new world. That was his, he felt calling by God to go find the new world. Now, obviously, a lot of brutality happened after that, but it doesn't uh, diminish right. his calling and his discovery. And right. um, 
So is your older brother still a Democrat? If he is, are you still able to have a civil discourse or has the relationship taken an unusual turn? <laughs> wow. Again, I'm getting lots of questions I haven't been asked this whole tour, which is very sweet. Um, I actually haven't spoken to my older brother in years, not because of politics, more because of family matters that have happened within our, our own family, which is incredibly sad. Because like I said, my brother was like my father figure to me, and he essentially uh, estranged himself from our family, which is quite sad to, to happen, you know, for different reasons with my mother and things like that. But I know, I know for a fact he's living in San Diego. He's a teacher down there. I, I hope that he's having a wonderful, blessed life. I don't know his politics or anything like that right now, but all I can do is wish him the best at this point. So, Amen. Yeah. Why, uh, why should families with young children stay in California and live in the shadows, jumping through the hoops to give their children normal lives when other states are still living pretty normally? This, I don't think you should. <laughs> I am very, very torn on this. This has been my internal conflict. I mean, Amla and I just in the car on the way here, we're having a discussion about this because I want to leave. I, I want to leave California. I, I don't know how much longer I can stand it. Uh, I think that the worst part about it is that, well, one, I'm giving tax dollars to a government that hates me. If Gavin knew some knew about me, he would hate everything about me. He would say the things that I fight for, he wants to destroy, along with the mayor, along with the rest of the people in bureaucracy, along with the city council, along with all the people in Hollywood and the big tech companies that are in this state. All of them hate me. I, I don't understand why I want to be surrounded by people who literally want to destroy everything that I love. And other places in the country, there aren't those types of people. There are people who love what I do, right? And I'm not, I in no way say that I need to retreat to an echo chamber to be safe from these people, okay? I have no problem being in a place surrounded by people who are evil. And I have no problem calling them out. It's like Jesus going to the Pharisees, you den of vipers, right? I have no problem calling out evil when I see it. But it gets to a point where you have children and you don't want your children going to, going to a school where they're teaching gender queer theory, and CRT in their schools, and they're making them be vaccinated now at five years old in California. I'm, I mean, it's ridiculous. You know, how long can you take that type of tyranny, and how much can you do to fight against it? Again, I believe in the good of the individual against the good of society. If California as a society is deteriorating, and there's nothing left, then as an individual, for the good of yourself... You have to find a place that will enhance your values and the things that, that will make you an a, a, a articulate and passionate great person, right? I don't like giving up. I don't want to be someone to give up. But it gets to a point where we all have to think about our lives and say, you know, how much more can we really do here? The left wants to totally destroy it. So the thing is that if you move to a conservative place or somewhere that is more red, it is about saying, I'm not going to left, let the left take this place. I saw what happened in California. I know that California used to be a conservative place. And now look at it. I'm not going to let that happen to Florida or Idaho, Nevada, Arizona, wherever I go. So it's, it's very tough. I understand it's very difficult. I know. How should we reach the future generations so they know the truth uh, more than just having groups on school campuses? Role models. Role models is the number one thing in this country that has been lost or for young people in a sense, of, of, of what they need, 
Okay, who are the role models for young people nowadays? I mean, Hollywood actors who, who parrot leftist ideas, worthless, woke celebrities and, and musicians who also, not even despite being leftists, have no musical talent anymore, <laughs> which is just as big. Yeah. If you guys didn't know, but when I, I was an English major, I wanted to be an English major because I wanted to be a music journalist. That's, that's like my, my other passion is music, and I, I listen to a lot of older music, so I, I know. Anyway, uh, the, there are no role models for young people. It's like looking at the African-American community in this country and knowing that if many of them don't have fathers, their fathers are absent, who are these young men turning to as their role model? They turn to, to rappers and NBA players, people who only parrot leftist thought and don't tell them that they should be go-getters and, and, and go to college and be articulate. They tell them that they should buy new shoes and, and listen to more rap music and be gangbangers. I mean, that is, those are like the role models for those people. And then the role models for young white girls in this country. They go on TikTok and see girls scadly dancing with their butt hanging out, and that's their role model. They want to be TikTok famous instead of being a lawyer or a doctor or an astronaut. 99% of young people polled in this country said they wanted to be YouTubers. This, these were middle schoolers. Above any other profession. 99%. And why do they want to do that? Because every single role model for them is pushing them in that direction. Is pushing them to do that. Again, it is all part of the plan. It is all part of the plan. You keep people dumb. You keep them happy. You give them Soma, Brave New World, if you guys understand. You give them the drug to, to, to know. That drug is social media. One in six people in this country are now addicted to some sort of substance. You keep people dumb and inundated with, with nonsense, with bad role models, and no one actually teaching them good values and safety and, and no, no family values and sex with whoever you want. You will have a society just like we have here in America where people are not pushing for good values. It's all about getting good role models. So if you see young people, for any of you guys who are older, or even younger people yourself, if you, are, you want to be a leader in your, your young people group, because young people definitely look up to other young people, make yourself into that leader. Even if you feel like, oh, I can't be that person. I've never really done anything like that before. Lead people to your church. Talk to people about these political issues. Do whatever it takes to talk to them and let them know, hey, there's a different path than, than going out every weekend and getting blackout drunk and, and, and then tweeting about it and, and, and all these different things. Like, like the things that we need to hold dear to ourselves is far beyond what the left is promising us. And it's up to us to be leaders and role models for these people, for these young people to tell them that. Because I, I go all over the country and I've been to all of these colleges and it's sad to see the state of, of young people right now. I feel really encouraged just in this last week being with Will, who's 25. Madison Cawthorn was 25. It was. 20, he's 25. He was with us last weekend and I was with Charlie Kirk. His birthday just happened uh, this week. And Charlie just turned 28. He was 27. And what uh, great examples for role models. These are the kind of young people that we need for these people to look up to. Thank you. My friend has a son in high school teaching about 49 types of gender. Can she pull her out of that class? What else can we do? Hear that desperation? Yeah, I could hear it. <laughs> I feel it. I feel that type of desperation. I will say that I am, I am the happiest I've ever been in my life with everything I'm doing. I'm closer to God. My family life is great. I, I, I get to do a lot of the things that I want to do and inspire people. But I hear so many stories all the time exactly like that 
and it incredibly, it, it bums me out every single time that I hear it. But what is so great is that I'm going on social media and all over the country and I'm seeing these, these brave parents and teachers speak up at these school board meetings and it's incredible to see. I'm sure some of you guys have seen some of the videos as well of these brave parents and teachers. And that's what it takes. I mean, there was that video the other day or maybe a month ago we talked about it on our show, of this mayor who went up to this, this school board and he said, hey, you guys are teaching pedophilia. Either you resign or I'm going to have you guys all arrested. I mean, that was awesome. And so as a parent, I think you do have a lot of control. I can't tell you exactly for your school or how it works. You know, I, I don't know. I can't say I know all the inner workings of your school board and PTA, whatever. But what I can say is that it is up to you to go and talk to the teachers or talk to the school board or the principal or whatever it takes and tell them that you are not happy with what is being taught. I think that that is probably the silver lining of the COVID pandemic is that kids went home from school or they went home to school. They're doing all their classes on Zoom and parents got to actually see what their kids were learning. And it was trash. It was literal garbage. I am a fan of... I, I'm going to say this, of abolishing the public schools. I, yeah. I know that's controversial, but I am, I am very passionate about it. I understand that it is not a viable option at this very moment, but I think that if you can institute school choice and, and have it that parents are much more involved in their own kids' lives, then, and have it so that you can have a, a family that lives off one income, because right now, again, in America, with our oligarchy and elite, it's very hard to have a family with one income to now raise kids. But if you make it so that's possible, and, and parents take more involvement in their kids' lives, you can get rid of the public schools. And you can have home schools, and you can have charter schools and yeah. private schools. My daughter was raised in a Christian home, but last year, when the BLM movements happened, it changed her. How do I approach her? Uh, she's angry with white privilege uh, accusation towards me. It's caused so much pain in the family. That's a great point. Get, yeah, you should ground her from her phone. We'll, we'll get a chair for you later, okay? <laughs> It's a good point, though. I mean, it really is. I mean, the, the, the creators of social media understand that they, they made the algorithms in a way that if you like leftist content and you like it on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, they will show you more leftist content, right? It's the same with conservatives. If you like conservative content, it's going to show you more conservative content. That's how it works to keep you on the app. So if a, if a young person is going on there and they're liking BLM posts, it's going to show them more BLM posts and then get more radical and more radical and more radical until you are seeing, you know, gay communism uh, in, in purple, all sorts of just crazy stuff that you've never heard about before, right? And so social media is, is a, a big deal with that. But I really think it, with, when it comes to all this racism and CRT stuff, I think it's similar to what I was talking about before with being an individual and that you have to break down all of these conversations with people to make them realize that every single person is an individual. Because leftism, all these ideas, whether it's climate change, whether it's CRT and BLM, or the gender stuff, it is all based on collectivism. It is all based on society instead of the individual. So I recommend that having a conversation with this person that you're talking to, if they are so obsessed with this BLM stuff and saying that white people are terrible, is break down a singular white person 
and, and get, like, take a huge group of people and then break them down with questions and eventually get to the one person, get to an individual as a minority. Right? It's like Ayn Rand said, the smallest individual is the, or the smallest minority is the individual. And it's like if you can break a huge group of people down into one person with all these different ideas, then I think you can do a fairly good job of convincing someone that an entire group of people does not think a certain way if you can break it down to be just one person. I think that's probably the, the best way to go about it because these people on the left, they think about everyone as a group instead of as an individual. All right, last question. The Zoomers seem to be growing up conservative unlike millennials. Do you think that radical policies such as CRT, LGBT, rights, uh, and gender sports are turning them completely away from the left? Are they rebelling? Here, well... I saw this study that said Gen Z is more conservative than millennials and all this, and I, I don't believe it. I don't believe it for a few reasons. I think that in the sense of free speech, I think that or Gen Z is very conservative. I think that they go on TikTok and they go on these social media platforms and they want to be abrasive and, and brazen and, and, and say things that they want to say. I think that that is true. I think that they are less offendable than millennials were. I think my generation is the most offended generation that there is of millennials. But I think that when it comes to these, these BLM stuff and the gender stuff, Gen Z is, is worse in some ways than millennials. And, and not even that, I think that it is even more vapid than millennials in the sense that they understand it even less. I think that their understanding of the world around them, just like I was saying with the role models and, and the things that these young people are actually digesting as content and media and, and literature, I mean, they're not getting the full picture of what the world is really like. I mean, all of the top books in this country right now that people are reading, that young people are reading, are these, these self-help books. You self-help pretty loosely here that tell them that they need to not care about anything in their lives and, and, and nihilism is the way. Right? So even though uh, I think that in some ways they might be a little more conservative, I really think that they're just, they're just being brainwashed and actually more dumb than any of the other generations we have seen. Not on their own volition, but because of the world around them. And I'm very scared. It's like they're growing up in this world that, that we would never recognize. I mean, if, if you guys growing up were just, you were in the 1950s or whatever, I don't want to date anyone here, Okay. You know, but you're in, you're in like the 1950s and then you're plopped into 2021. You'd be like, oh my goodness. This is a, who is Cardi B? This is insane, right? Like everything would look very wild to you, especially with the values. So um, I, I don't know if Gen Z is going to be more conservative. I don't think so. But again, it's all about the role models and us creating media and content and things that they will enjoy that will give them the, the values that we want to instill on them. Who could have foresaw Cardi B getting into it with Joy Reid over the vaccine? I mean, that was just like unbelievable. Yeah. I know, I know. Or that was Nicki Minaj. Oh, that was Nicki. That's yes, right, not yes. Cardi B. That's right. It's okay. Yeah, Nicki. Thank you. That's why he's here, right? Listen, that, they bring me here Nicki to discuss Minaj. female rappers. I mean, that's, that's what they Well, music's for. your thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I that's know right. very Nick, well. Nick, Nicky Minaj. <laughs> All right. Hey, let's stand together. We're going to pray. Thank Will again. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you.
Let's pray. Lord, thank you for our time together. We pray that you would just refresh us, that you are the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by you. And Lord, we pray that you would fill us with courage by your Spirit to to walk in truth in these dark days. And Lord, we pray for our children and our grandchildren. We pray for this generation. We pray for this state. Lord, that you would raise up uh, just a a movement of the truth and love to touch a generation in these last days. We ask for your grace. We pray that your hand would be upon Will and his book tour and that you would anoint him for his next book and just continue to use him and Amala and their, their program at PragerU. We pray that you would just uh, bless them abundantly in these coming days, weeks, and months as they are a voice for truth in this generation. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for coming. Will's going to be back there at the book table.